You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. certain antithesis of best, the first that comes to my mind is below average. There are times that as people of God, we do things below average. Now, we may not want to admit to that tonight, but I guarantee you if some of us were put up front and we would call for witnesses in reference to how you perform in church or your particular auxiliary, if folk were not afraid, some would probably say, you know, she's a nice sister, or he's an okay brother, but when it comes to his work, it's below average. There are leaders that will tell you the people that are below average when it comes to their auxiliary or their ministry. Now watch this. Am I right, leaders? Of course, some of you, you, I think you're a little timid to do so. But how many would just be honest and say, you know, when it comes to my auxiliary, I have two people that I can depend on. I have four that might do right, but I have some I just don't trust period. And I'm talking about the church. There are folks that actually operate below average. And I think it's sad when you have people that are okay with being mediocre. Okay with just doing but not doing according to the will of God. Then you have some folk that are just wimps. And you know a wimp is just not going to give his or her best. A wimp will allow certain folk to push them around. A wimp can be doing good and somebody can say something that offends him or her and the person will just draw back. And of course you have those that allow certain troubles or circumstances to get them out of the will of God. They'll do well as long as everything is pleasant. 
But the minute opposition rears his head, they will begin again to draw back. They are somewhat timid or afraid when it comes to dealing with with certain issues or struggles within the church. But how many have found out that when it comes to the church that you will have to deal with opposition? You will have to deal with struggles. Can I take it a little further and say you'll have to deal with hard-head folk? True? But when you consider our God, the one that we are to follow, he always gives his best. God never comes short when it, when it comes to us. How many have the testimony that the Lord has been real good to you? By a show of hands. As a matter of fact, you can testify about a number of things that he has done for you. And the only way you can describe them, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, or running over, or you can say to folks that, you know what, he did exceeding abundantly above what I, what I was thinking. He did something that, that was just amazing, and, and, and I'm still baffled by what he did. God does his best when it comes to his children. On one particular occasion, Jesus gave an illustration of, of God giving his best. He talked about how man being evil would not give his child a, a stone if the child asked for bread or a scorpion if he asked for fish. And then he turned around and said, now you being evil, you will do right by your children. How much more will your heavenly father do for you? God gives us his best. God didn't halfway save you. He saved you real good. Some of us had messed up credit, but God blessed us despite banks turning us down, despite us being jacked up in reference to our finances. He did it for us anyhow. <laughs> if the truth be told, God made us look good when we really didn't deserve it. And the reason he made us look good is because he gives us his best. Oh, God, somebody should have shouted. He right about that. Because you know you were jacked up until you ran into God or until God came into your life. Am I right about it? You ought to go ahead and tell somebody he's telling the truth. He is telling the truth, girl. You wouldn't even recognize me before God saved me. I was messed up. I was tore up. Ooh, girl. You wouldn't recognize me. My hair wasn't fixed. My nails wasn't done. I didn't have this, that, and the other. But when God saved me. Oh, he started working on the inside and then he messed around and got on the outside and I hadn't been the same since. I said I hadn't been the same since. Tell your neighbor, he did his best for me. He did his best for me. And that's what he expects from his children. 
He expects his children to give him their best. And this is obvious when you consider the first commandment. Notice, if you will, in the book of Mark, the 12th chapter, uh, when Jesus defined the first commandment, this is what God expects from his children. He expects us to do the first commandment. Mark, the 12th chapter. Are you there? Now, I want you to help me read these two verses, and I want you to do so loudly, if you don't mind. Mark. Are you there? Did I say the 11th or 12th chapter? All right, the 12th chapter and notice the 29th verse. Ready? Read. Jesus answered him, the first the Lord our God, the Lord is with all Now notice the key word in verse 30, all, all, synonymous with best. God wants our best. He wants us to love him with all that we have. He wants us to love him with our total being, spirit, soul, and body. This is expressed by what he says here in, in these verses. He wants us to give him his, our all, I should say. And he does not just want it when we get to church. He wants it every single day of the week. When you get on your job, you give your all simply because you are a child of God. You never shortchange God. You know that God desires you to give your best and you should make it your business to do all that you do in reference to what God desires you to do. Am I right? And so he wants us to give him our best. And I don't know about you, but I say yes to God because he has been too good for me to do anything else. I desire to please him. And you have to have a desire to please God in order to give him your best. Is that true? Now, understand when, when it really comes to giving God our all, there are certain scriptures that we need to consider. First of all, we need to consider Matthew the 16th chapter. Go there with me. Matthew the 16th chapter. We want to give God our best, so let's see what the Lord Jesus had to say here in Matthew 16 and 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Look at your neighbor and say, if you're going to give God your best, you gotta lose your life. Oh God, tell somebody else you gotta lose yourself. Oh 
you got to quit thinking about how wonderful you are if you expect to give God your best. Because if the truth be told, some folk, for some reason or another, think they are too cute to give God their all. You done seen them in church. Be trying to be pretty clapping, pretty dancing, and everything else. Worried about what folks may think or worried about who looking at them. But if you expect to give God your best, you got to let go and let him have his way. You can't worry about who's in front, beside, or behind you. You just got to turn loose and say, God, here am I. Have your way in me. Am I right about it? Oh, if you agree with what I'm saying, look at somebody and say, you got to lose yourself. You got to get rid of all that cute stuff. You got to quit thinking that you are the one and just deny yourself, girl. Deny yourself, brother, and let God have his way. And see, that's what's wrong with some of us. We will not turn loose because we are hanging on to certain certain traits that represent self. We say, well, you know, I would do such and such, but I. Well, you know, I would, but I can't. And it's always about us. But again, we have to let self go and say, Lord, here am I. If you want me to praise you, I'll praise you. If you want me to turn in victory, I'll turn in victory. Lord, if I need to leap even though everybody on my row is sitting still as if they were frozen I'll leap God to shake up the aisle whatever it's going to take God to please you I'm willing to do oh before I go any further ask somebody are you willing to give up yourself Oh, and just give God the glory. If you are for 30 seconds, you ought to just get up and just give him the glory right now and let folk know I'm going to do it because I'm not ashamed of him. Oh, I'm going to do it because I'm not ashamed of him. Now, understand something. Understand something. It just can't be for a day. Or just when somebody asks you to do it. Notice Jesus says based upon the text that he wants us to follow him daily. We got to take up the cross. In other words, there are going to be times to where you're going to suffer. Or you're going to be suffering physically, mentally, emotionally or such. But you still got to give God your best. Even when you're not feeling well in your belly, in your head, or some other part of your body, God still wants you to give your best. Bottom line, if you have to hold your head while you praise God, so be it. If you have to hold your your foot up in the air and praise Him, so be it. You got to be determined to give God your best. Am I right? Let's take it a little further. Now notice in the book of Second Corinthians. The book of 2 Corinthians. We have to live by faith. And, and the biggest thing that opposes faith is sight. I said the biggest thing that opposes faith is sight. Now notice again in the book of 2 Corinthians. The book of 2 Corinthians. I want to go to the 4th chapter. And, and we are going to also go into the 5th chapter of this book. Are you there? 2 Corinthians. Go to the fourth chapter. All right. Y'all ready? Now notice what the writer says here in verse 18. He says, 
while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Oh, do you see that? And then in verse 7, he decrees, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And so again, in 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, he tells us that the things that we see are temporary but in chapter 5 and verse 7 he says we walk by faith and not by sight as children of God we have to get it embedded in our spirit that this is a faith walk this is a walk that 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 we trust God in we allow God to direct our path We allow God to guide us or to lead us into all truth. We can't, we can't allow ourselves to get worried about what we see or about what we hear. Again, because those things are temporary. Now, now there are some of us that, that know that the verses that, that we're reading are true firsthand. Now, now, if you can recall last year, there was probably something that had you nervous or afraid. And the reason you're not nervous tonight about that particular thing is because it was temporary. It didn't last. Some of us can recall years ago to where we were troubled as in reference to our house. We thought we was going to lose our house because we were going through it financially. But here we are in another year, and and we're not worrying about that particular thing because the house is paid for. Now, 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 why why is it then that though we know God always brings us through things, that we still continue to worry about what we see? And I know you want everybody to think that you don't worry, but you got to be honest tonight. You got to be honest and and just admit, yeah, I I worried and and, and, and passed it right. I wasn't living by faith because if I was, I would not have worried or been afraid the way I was. And see, that's the reason it is important for us to live by faith. If you're going to give God your best, you have to do it. And you have to understand when it comes to living by faith, you will be challenged. That's the reason the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 10 and 35, not to cast away your confidence. You can't cast away your confidence or your faith. You have to hold on despite the battle, despite the war, despite the trials, despite the tribulation. You have to hold on despite what you're hearing, despite what you're seeing, despite what is taking place in your life. I got to move on, but tell somebody you just got to hold on. Because what you're going through is not going to last. It's not going to last. It's going to fade. It's going to pass. It's just a season that you're going through, but it's not a permanent season. It's not something that's going to hang around for a lifetime. It's just going to be there for a moment. And tell your neighbor, you got to grab scriptures like 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, knowing that it's just temporary. It's going to change, baby girl. It's 
going to get better for you. It's going to get better and better and better and better and better. Oh, look at somebody and tell them it's going to get better for you. I don't even know what you're going through, but my word to you is that it's going to get better. God, I need some folk to help me preach it tonight. Preach it somebody. I don't know what you're going through. But I say to you, based upon 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, it's just temporary. It's not going to last. It's not going to last. You're coming out. And when you come out, you're going to come out better than how you went in. Oh, it's going to be amazing. You're going to have a testimony. You're going to be able to laugh about what you went through. You're going to be able to shout about it. You're going to be able to help somebody else that's going through the same thing because it's only temporary. Oh, high five some folks and tell them it's just temporary. It's just temporary. Ain't no need in you wasting all your tears crying over that. It's just temporary. Ain't no need in you thinking about backsliding. It's just temporary. Ain't no need in you thinking about throwing in the tower. It's just temporary. Your God is an awesome God. He's going to snatch you out in the nick of time. He's going to make a way out of no way. Don't you know your God is Elohim, the Supreme One, the Almighty one, the God that steps in the midst of a battle when his children are going through it and rescues them big time. Oh, tell somebody again, it's just temporary. You're coming out, you're coming out, you're coming out. Oh, you're coming out, you're coming out, you're coming out. Now also we have to consider the fact That God has deemed us more than conquerors through or because of Christ. Notice, if you will, the book of Romans and the 8th chapter. The book of Romans and the 8th chapter. Notice notice here, Romans, the 8th chapter. And we're going to read the 37th verse. Now, I need you to help me read this verse. And I need you again to read it loudly. All right, Romans, the 8th chapter and the 37th verse. Ready? Read. We are. It's a corporate thing, a collective thing. We are. Look at your neighbor and say, we are more than conquerors. We don't just win battles. We beat the enemy down. We just don't win fights. We put a good old-fashioned whipping on the enemy. When the enemy is down, that's not enough for us. We have to stomp the enemy once the enemy gets down. A three count is not enough. When three is over, we still are putting a pounding on the enemy. Oh, we are more than conquerors. Tell your neighbor you're more than a conqueror. But it's only when you operate through Christ. Look at the verse again. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us or through Christ. 
We are more than conquerors. Whenever I operate under the anointing of God, because Christ is the anointed one, I am more than a conqueror. There are certain things that you have to put the anointing on. You have to put the word on. You're not able to handle them in a natural manner. You have to go to the throne of God. You have to go to your Savior. You have to go to the Holy Spirit and ask Him for guidance in order to deal with certain things. The reason some of us don't have the testimony that we are more than conquerors is because we often try to deal with our circumstances or battles in a natural sense. Tell your neighbor, big mistake. Big mistake. Look at somebody else and tell them, big, big, big mistake. There are certain things you have to have the anointing to deal with. There are certain things you have to allow the power of God to rest upon you. And it has to be evident that he's with you internally and externally. There are some demons out there that if you are not operating under the anointing of God, they will turn you every which way but loose. But on the other hand, if you have soaked yourself in prayer, if you have been seeking the face of God, God, God will put such an anointing, such a deutimus, such an exousia upon you that you will be able to whip every demon that comes your way. You will leave with the testimony of what the writer is saying here in Romans 8 and 37 that you are in fact more than a conqueror. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we should be turning devils every which way but loose. But the reason we often don't is because we do not allow ourselves to get soaked in the Holy Ghost. We do not allow ourselves to get soaked in the anointing. But I dare you when prayer meeting is going on at the church to press your way to the church and just stay on the altar until God endures you with some power. I dare you to do it, praise God, because if you do, once you are filled with the Spirit of God and the anointing is upon you, you'll be able to deal with them same devils that's been whipping you at your house. Them same devils that's been turning you every which way but loose on your job. How many know what I'm talking about? Do you agree with what I'm saying? Is it Bible? Look at some folks and tell them he talking Bible. He talking Bible tonight. Oh, he talking Bible tonight. I just read it for myself. Romans 8 and 37. Let's read it one more time. We are more than what? Through who? That what? Tell your neighbor I'm more than a conqueror. Oh, that's how I'm leaving here tonight. I'm more than a conqueror. Oh, that's how I'm leaving here tonight knowing that I can do what needs to be done as long as I'm operating under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, sit down. Oh, let's take it a little further. Let's take it a little further. Now we have to understand that we are going to go through different things. And when we get to going through different things, we have to learn to deal with whatever comes our way. Now notice in the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. Let's go there. The book of Philippians and the fourth chapter. Are you ready? Now notice what the apostle Paul said in reference to dealing with situations that come forth in life notice beginning in the 12th verse of chapter number four he says i know how to be abased and i know how to abound 
everywhere and in all things I have helped me both to be full and to be helped me both to abound and to suffer. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ. What does Christ do? Look at your neighbor and say, you have to learn to deal with whatever life brings you. You have to learn how to deal with stuff. Because like it or not, you're not going to have a happy day every day. There are going to be some days to where you are really going to go through it. But you have to learn how to deal with whatever comes your way. You have to learn how to smile when you're going through trials and tribulations. And tell your neighbor, it's high time that we learn this because when we learn it, we are giving God our best and we will give our best in the midst of trouble, trials, and such. Look at it again, this 12th verse. He says, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have, what's the next word again? Tell your neighbor, you got to learn. You got to what? Tell somebody else you got to learn. You got to learn how to deal with things. You got to learn how to deal with things based upon the scripture. You got to learn how to deal with things based upon the power of God that resides on the inside of you. You have to learn how to deal with things because, again, life is going to send some struggles, some fights, some trials and such your way. How many tonight are going through something? And you hadn't been handling it well. Now see, you didn't want to keep your hand up then, but you need to be honest in the church tonight. Some of us been going through some stuff and we have not been handling it well. And God wants you to give your best, but you can't give your best and you're ignorant. I'm not trying to insult you, but notice what the text says. He says, I have learned. If you're ignorant about how to handle certain things, that particular thing is going to put a whipping on you. If you're ignorant about how to deal with particular issues that arise in your personal life, those things are going to put a whipping on you. That's the reason it is important to learn the word of God. And remember what Jesus said in Matthew 4. Matthew 4, when he decreed, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to learn. Tell one more neighbor, you got to learn. You just got to buckle down and learn. And learning is a process. It takes time. Bottom line, you may get some whippings while you're learning, but sooner or later, if you keep allowing knowledge and understanding to get embedded in your spirit, you're going to be able to whip the particular thing that may be putting a whipping on you right now. Am I right about it? Some of us should have shouted because there are things that used to turn us every which way but loose until we learn how to deal with it. Oh God, I, I, let, let, let me slow down. I got to deal with that. Some of y'all are too quiet about it. But some of us, we look at some of the young folk that come into the church and we say, oh, I don't understand how that girl keep backsliding and, and, and backsliding and backsliding. She just, I don't know why that girl won't get stable in the church. Hold up, mother. Hold up, mother. 
I remember when you would backslide every other week for the same low down dirty man. Until you learn better. Hold on, brother. Talking about the young man that don't know how to handle his money right. I remember when you couldn't handle your money right. Look at your neighbor and say, you have to learn. And once you learn, the situation would change. I remember when I couldn't keep money in my pocket. Now I got money in my, well, I ain't got none in my pockets tonight. But I got money. I got money. But I remember when I didn't have money nowhere, but I learned better. I remember when I didn't have a number of things, but I learned how to acquire certain things. How many know what I'm talking about? God's people, sadly, from a historical standpoint, have been known to be ignorant. Look how you're looking. Even in the Old Testament, the prophet decreed that the people of God are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But tell your neighbor, it's a new day. We have got to learn. Because God does not want us to perish. He does not want us to be destroyed. The Lord desires us to prosper. And the only way we're going to prosper, the only way we're going to have success, is to carry out what God is giving us in the word. We're going to have to learn how to deal with lying situations. We're going to have to learn to the point to where one day the table will be turned. Where instead of always looking for a handout, you'll be able to give some handouts. Instead of always struggling, you'll be on top and able to help others that are struggling. But it's not going to come just through shouting. It's not going to come just through dancing. It's not going to come just through being happy. It's going to come by learning. You just can't come to church just to hear what the preacher has to say and say it was a good message. You have to come and, and, and receive everything that the pastor is giving out in order to apply it to your life so change can take place for the better. And look at your neighbor and say, if you do this, you're giving God your best. And in turn, things will be better for you than they ever have been. Finally, if we expect God, or if we expect to give God our best, we have to be steadfast when it comes to putting our assignment in action. Notice First Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Paul closes the 15th chapter 
with some amazing words. 1 Corinthians 15. Y'all going to help me read it? We're going to start at that 57th verse. Ready? Read. Hold up. Hold, 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 hold. Tell your neighbor, we're going to give God our best with this when it comes to reading these passages. You ready? Read. Be steadfast. Tell your neighbor you got to remain in a fixed position. You got to remain. Now the implication, something or someone will try to move you. You can be doing well, but something or someone will try to get you out of your proper place. It can be an old boyfriend. It can be a sister. That's wearing your favorite color, brother. It's amazing the things that are moving kingdom workers out of their proper place. It's amazing how many folks that used to be fixed that are no longer fixed. It's amazing how many folks that used to be determined, that are no longer determined. It's amazing how many folks that used to stand on the word of God that are no longer standing on the word of God. It's amazing how many folks that used to trust God for their deliverance or salvation, but now look to the arm of flesh. It's amazing folk that used to quote these particular verses and would stand on what, what the verses stated. It's amazing those that are present tonight that allow thing after thing to get them out of their proper place. But tell your neighbor it's got to change because we are on a mission to give God our best. And if we're going to give God our best, we got to remain fixed. We can't be up and down in what we do and what we say. We have got to be fixed. Look at somebody and preach to them with a straight face. You got to remain fixed. Oh, you got to remain fixed. You can't be moving every which way. You've got to remain fixed. You've got, if God has ordained for you to be in a particular position in the church, you can't allow gossip and Sally to move you. You can't, you can't allow rambling Randy to move you, sister. You got to stay in your fixed place. You can't allow anything or anybody to get you out of your place. You got to be like Paul 
who was determined to preach the gospel despite the fact that he had been beaten down, he had been persecuted, stabbed in the back, kicked to the curb, left for dead. He still arose and said, Whoa, be unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Look at your neighbor and say, You got to be determined, even if you fall down sometime, that you're going to do what God has ordained for you to do. How many feel that way tonight? That you're going to do what God has called you to do despite what you may be going through. If you feel that way, tell somebody, I'm fixed. Oh, I'm fixed tonight. I'm fixed. I'm, I'm fixed. I'm fixed. I'm fixed. I'm not saying something may not sway me a little bit. It may sway me a little bit, but because I'm more than a conqueror, I'm going to rise back up because I'm fixed in Jesus. I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me. Is that right? High five some folks and tell them I'm fixed. I'm fixed. I'm fixed. Oh, I'm fixed. I know how I used to be, but I done changed. I'm fixed. I'm fixed. I'm fixed. Some of us have to say it on credit because we failed earlier today, but go ahead and tell somebody I'm fixed. I'm fixed. I'm fixed. When we do all of the things that I have mentioned, we will be giving God our best. When we deny ourselves, we'll be giving God our best. When we walk by faith and not by sight, we'll be giving God our best. Am I right? When we are to the point to where we deal with the issues of life and realize that we can do all things through Christ that strengthen us, we are giving our best. And when we become fixed in what God has assigned for us to do, we are giving God our best. And I want to close it tonight with an example of a person that gave God his best. The person being Hezekiah, who historically, from one standpoint, is known as the 12th king of Judah. But from another standpoint, he is known as the 13th king of Judah. There is a debate about it because of Something that took place with a prior person who in one sense was considered a king and in another sense was not. But nevertheless, Hezekiah was in fact a king of the people of celebration of praise. The people of Judah. Hezekiah's name means Jehovah is my strength. I can do some things because I have a God that's backing me up. A God that's empowering me. And I think that that's the reason God led me to Hezekiah for the example to close out the revival 
Because we need to recognize as workers that if we're going to be successful, we need good backup. And nobody can back you the way Jehovah backs you. God will give you strength beyond strength because he is omnipotent. He is an all-powerful, sovereign God. Hezekiah also was known as a working king. He was a king that reopened the church as well as restored the church. Notice Second Chronicles 29. Let's go there. Y'all stay with me. Second Chronicles 29, verse 1. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right. In the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. See, the doors of the church had been closed. Because pseudo-kings did not consider the worship of Jehovah important or significant. But Hezekiah recognized that we need to have church. My kind of king. Tell your neighbor, I got to have church. Every week I got to be in the church. Every week I got to be in the place where God's word is coming forth. Ask your neighbor, do you need the church? Are you like Hezekiah? You want the church doors to be open every week. You got to be somewhere to hear God's word. You got to have a place where you can get your praise on. And I know some of y'all smart folks are saying I can get my praise on at my own house. But let me tell you something. There is no place like the church to get your praise on. How many know it's something about the church? That's not like any other place. It's something about being in the presence of God. It's something about being at the place that's called God's house to get your praise on. And that's the reason I'm glad that God's church is open tonight. Are you glad that God's church is open tonight in the city of Nuna? Hezekiah just didn't want the church to be open. He said, we got to beautify this place. There's some stuff that need repairing. We got to get this stuff repaired. Because if we, if this God's house, it needs to look like it's God's house. Need to smell like it's God's house. 
We don't want God's house to look like a shack. We don't want God's house to look like an old cabin. We want God's house to look like what it is. A place of worship. And so he had to repair the church. Now, then, then the text shifts. I'm still in Second Chronicles 29. It shifts. And I want you to notice that he wasn't just satisfied with opening up the church and repairing the church. He then recognized we got to have some sanctified folk working in this church. We can't have these folk working in the church just because they popular. Just because they got a name in the world. Now we need some sanctified folk working in the church. There are folks that are getting certain singers to be on their praise team that are not even born again. Because they're popular and they will draw people to the church. But when it comes to the church, we need sanctified workers. Oh God, some of y'all didn't like that. I better say it again. And then I'm going to define sanctified. We need sanctified workers in the church. And I'm not talking about women that have dresses. Down to the bottom of their shoes. I'm not talking about folk that don't put on deodorant or perfume. Because in times past, folks would say she is sanctified because she doesn't have a perm in her hair. Doesn't have earrings. Her dress is to the floor. She's sanctified. Some of y'all are not old enough to remember that, but some of us do. But to be sanctified is to be dedicated to the service of God. It's to be loyal to God's house. It's to be loyal to God's servant of the man of God, a woman of God that's in charge of the church. Look at what he says here. Verse 3 of Second Chronicles 29. I'm going to read it again. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought in the preacher of the priests and the Levites of the church workers and gathered them in the east square and had a meeting with them. We got a little bit of how the meeting went. And notice in the meeting he said to them, Hear me, Levites! Now, help me with the next two words. He specifically told the church workers, the Levites, to sanctify themselves. I don't want to know if you can play the organ. I want you to sanctify yourself and then we'll go, we'll deal with that part. I don't want to know how well you usher. I want you to sanctify yourself. And then we'll take care of that. 
I don't want you want to know how you can deal with the babies in the nursery. I want you to sanctify yourself. And then we'll talk about that. Yeah, I heard you can sing. And, and, and you know, we're looking for some anointed and gifted singles. But, but first things first. Sanctify yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, God won't sanctify folk working in his church. You say, well, that ain't required at the other church. Well, the other church may not be God's church, but I'm talking about God's church tonight. God won't sanctify workers in his church. Well, that church is growing with the workers they have. Well, there's a whole lot of things that's growing, but that does not mean God is in it. God won't sanctify workers in his church. God said to somebody, God wants sanctified workers in his church. And Hezekiah was determined to give God his best. He was determined. To make sure that when it came to the house of God, that it was going to be in line with the scripture. And notice when we get to Second Chronicles 31, our primary verses, the 20, 20th and the 21st verse. That when it comes to Hezekiah, Hezekiah went throughout all of Judah, went in every city. And certainly, in some cities, he he was met with opposition. No doubt about that. But notice, despite whatever took place in in the particular cities, that he went through. Look at the testimony concerning his actions, his lifestyle, his demeanor. Look at, look at this. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was three things. Good. He did what was beneficial. He wanted to make sure that everything he did was beneficial. It was going to be a blessing to the people of God. Second, he did what was right. He wasn't going to put up with no foolishness. He was going to stick to the script. Doing what was right. And finally, he did what was true. He did what was of God. Because God, according to scriptures like John 14 and 6, is equated with truth. The verse specifically says in part that our Lord is the way, truth, and life. Now, I didn't go to John 17 and 17, but John 17 and 17 decrees that people can be sanctified by the truth. He did what was 
right and true. Everywhere he went, it was a constant with him. People never couldn't say, well, sometimes he good and sometimes he not. It was a constant. A perfect portrait for the people of God. Whenever you have somebody that, that's constant at doing good, right, and that which is true, that says about that person that he gives his best. You can't ask for no more than a person that's going to do good, right, and true. Isn't that a wonderful testimony to have? You know, when it comes to so-and-so, she just good, right, and true. She don't want the opposite. You know, when it comes to brother so-and-so, he bad, wrong, and the biggest liar in the church. But sadly, you have folk that are known for that in God's house. I'm closing with the 21st verse. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, see, he had to set up ministries within the church. Notice, in every work that he began, in every, every auxiliary that he set up, he knew, he, he knew certain things had to be set up. Now, he couldn't run everything. Matter of fact, when he got the church up, he had to move on because he was the monarch of Judah. So he had to get everything set up. So that's the reason the scripture specifically says that, that he began, he started it. And see, that's what, that's what we need to get in our mindset within the church. That the pastor's job is only to start certain auxiliaries. It is not for him to maintain the auxiliaries. Now you have some crazy pastors that would try to lead prayer service, be on the praise team, and then turn around and proclamate the word. You know, just, just try to do different things in church. Look at your neighbor and say, you see that sharp preacher up there? That's not one of them. No. The preacher begins. He sets the pattern. And the people of God are to maintain what he started. And as time goes on, they are to take it higher. Because you don't want to, you don't want any auxiliary to remain on an elementary level. You want it to go according to the will of God, of the scripture. God takes us from level to level. We go higher and higher in God. But it's up for the pastor or the leader 
to make sure it started. And whoever he appoints to be over a particular thing, that person is to take it further. How many understand that? Now, when you take it over and you start doing good, that does not mean that you're better than the pastor. Or you're just as anointed as the pastor. No, because you can be replaced and somebody else can be put over it and do better than you. And we know that according to scripture. What God had to replace a whole lot of folk that got beside themselves and thought they were the one. It couldn't run without them. So before I go any further, just look at somebody and say, you're not the one now. So don't be thinking that it can't run without you. Because God will show you in a hurry that it can. They ain't going to be able to function without me, girl, because you know I was the main one. Yeah, but there's another main one. Somewhere. May take two or three months to find. Might take a year, but there's another main one somewhere. I got to close it. And in every work, he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment, to seek his God. Now notice he prayed about everything. He made sure, Lord, is this what? He sought God. And notice he did it with all his heart. Gave God his best. Gave God his best. And then you can't help but just just God just looking down and saying, look at that boy. He making sure that he got that auxiliary right for me. Good God, look at that boy. He making sure that the praise team is set up the way I want the praise team to be set up. Oh, look at that boy. He making sure that he gets some sanctified folk on the usher board, the deacon board, and so forth. And then when God seen all of that, you notice that little bit of sentence. So he, what? Prospered. He prospered because he gave God his best. You know how come your pastor's prospering? He gives God his best. You look at other auxiliaries in the church, Especially those that take on the spirit of the pastor. You want to know, it seems like so-and-so is prospering like the pastor. You know what? Giving his or her best. When you give your best, God going to make sure you prosper. Take your neighbor in every aspect of your life. Matter of fact, God will prosper you so to where you can start, you, you can just go some places. You can wind up somewhere on accident as far as you're concerned, but, it, but it's been orchestrated by God in order for you to receive a blessing. Man, we, we, we were in Nevada, and I was trying to act as if we, we weren't lost. But we were lost. 
But it just so happens that we that we ended up running into a particular place and where it, it was nothing but uh stores that me and first lady like. Man, I went in this particular store and found an item. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. That was worth about five thousand dollars. And got the item for five hundred dollars. But but understand something. I was lost. I was like, oh Lord, where in the world we at? I don't see. I don't see nothing. I just you know, I'm trying to keep riding like I know where I am. And just said, well, since we over here, let's just see. I knew it was something up. Yeah, yeah, let's go in here. And ended up getting the directions to get back to the place while we were in the store. When you give God your best, you're going to prosper. And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking every single aspect of your life. How many believe that? How many understand the significance of giving God your all? Well, I'm done. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.